Welcome to the Real Estate Reserve Podcast with your hosts, Jason Balin and Ian Horowitz. Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's Jason at Harmony Bankers and Ian Horowitz at Equity Warehouse. Have a super fun show set up for everybody today. So today is Thursday, April 16th, and things are still changing day by day. Um, it, very, very interesting in the marketplace that we're in. There's still a lot of uh, optimistic real estate investors out there locally, but a lot of investors are also extremely cautious. So on today's show, we've got Justin Werner and Brooks Healy from Harbor Stone Advisors. We're going to bring them on in a second. Um, and you know, when when these guys come on, these guys are multi. These guys are more in the multifamily space, and we're really curious to see how they're currently adapting. Uh, you know, their businesses to what's going on right now. Uh, so they'll hop on for a little bit after after you know we're done interviewing them. We got some very interesting updates with the PPP, the Paycheck, Paycheck Protection Program. Um, we've got some insights that have been going on. <laughs> very, very interesting how that program is kind of uh, like working with small, bit, with small business owners. Uh, a lot of people we know have gotten approved. That doesn't mean they've got funding, but they've gotten approved. And then obviously there's an announcement today that um, they're completely out of funds. So who knows if there's going to be a new stimulus package that comes out soon in order to re-release that. So we've got some information to go over related to that. And then at the end, we have a sneak peek related to the case study that we're going to do in tomorrow with a local property, lo local rental property, how it got funded, uh, how it got rented out, how it got refinanced, and the current status of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited to do that case study tomorrow. It should be real interesting, especially for people that are either involved in real estate or getting involved in real estate. Um, as Jason said, we're, we have a lot to discuss afterwards, but we find it super important that we bring in um, Justin and Brooks Healy of Harborstone Advisors. I've personally worked with both of them. Um, I early, very early on, I was fortunate enough to work with Justin on a 18 unit multifamily that we sold. Um, it was a very profitable deal. Um, Justin and Brooks, uh, they always seem to find great deals. If you're a seller, um, they're the first person people that I would reach out to. Um, so they're here. So enough, enough for me, um, Justin or Brooks, you guys want to, I guess, Justin, you want to give an intro to who you guys are in Harborstone and what you guys do? Sure. We focus primarily on middle market multifamily investments, which, which kind of means, you know, the one to $15 million world will do some smaller and some, some larger things. We we're very hyper-focused on that. It's got to have multifamily in it for us to, to be involved with it. Having said that we'll do mixed use deals with retail on the bottom and apartments above, uh, and things like that. So, we're, we're a very hyper-focused firm, uh, niche experts. Uh, that's the way we've been since our inception. Uh, we, we, you know, Our business is predominantly in the Baltimore metro, metropolitan area right now. Uh, we're kind of expanding to some of the outer counties in Maryland and, uh, and Pennsylvania and hopefully D.C. and Virginia here pretty shortly. We just listed a deal in Shippensburg, PA, uh, in conjunction with 10X that's going off next week. So we'll see how that works out. Student housing um, is a little bit different right now. <laughs> <Obviously>. <laughs> Some of the sure. some of the students that have uh, that don't have classes to go to. Um, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's I guess that one's a little hard to underwrite right now when everyone's out of college. Um, but I remember when we first. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I remember when we first met. You were literally just. I mean, I remember you just working in Baltimore City for the most part. I mean, it's sure. awesome to hear that you've expanded over. I guess six, seven years now. You know, it's absolutely awesome. Um. So if you, I, yeah, Brooks, you want to give us a quick shout out how you got involved uh, or how you met Justin and 
What sure. You yeah. I got into real estate uh, right out of college. So unlike Justin um, kind of got into this and went head first. He had a little bit of a corporate background. Um, so he's taught me a lot. We've teamed up over the last six years um, and tried to grow our team into more of a, you know, right now Maryland presence, but hopefully into more of an Atlantic presence. Um, but I helped Justin and, and we have a uh, marketing coordinator, Katie, who we do all of our deals together. Um, it's a full team approach in, in every yeah. listing that we take on. That's awesome. And just so everyone's clear, um, I think something that Justin does very well. And, you know, we talked about this yesterday about being hyper-focused is that, you know, being hyper-focused in the multifamily space um, has really provided you a great business and you've dominated it. Um, I guess, Justin, so how have you guys immediately had to adapt? I know like that Shippensburg deal you just brought up. Um, how have you guys had to immediately adapt with what's going on right now? Uh, obviously, from a tour perspective, and people don't want folks in their units, right? I mean, it's much right. like you know, you're touring a home from that respect. So, um, you know, we're, we've shut down and, and management and owners, frankly, and tenants don't want anyone in their units, right? So you've got that piece. You've got the third party piece which amazingly we got uh, some third parties through a deal we're selling in Mount Vernon, uh, which is, there's a cash buyer, which really, really helps out. And the third parties have had to change the property condition, people, the environmental folks, the appraisers have had to kind of change their protocol on the number of units they need to go into or the percentage of units. So they just went into one in each building and they said, hey, that's right. you know, vacant units. And they said, that's the best we can do and this is what we're gonna have to have to take to get this accomplished so there's a lot of adapting going on in the world uh, you know i think for us it's and and like many people who who are forward thinking the residential world is a lot has always been a lot f further out in front than commercial real estate from a technological standpoint but adapting virtual tours we just had a virtual tour shot yesterday of an apartment uh, in a building we're, we're going to hopefully put up for sale in a month or so, just kind of with the forefront that, hey, people might not feel comfortable going out and touring. Even when the world gets turned back on, there's going to still be some hesitancy. So uh, so people will be able to look, walk through that unit and, and get a feel for, for you know, what an apartment's like in that building. So it's that. It's incorporating a lot more video, right? A lot, lot more of the virtual kind of thing, which, again, in our world, in the commercial real estate world, people have kind of been slower to adapt to that piece. Right. Um, so without yeah. question, you have to do th things like that. And I think you got to look internally and, and, and these are times where you can really think about other things other than quote unquote selling, right? Uh, yep. I mean, working on other facets of your business and improving your processes and, and, and the way you go about doing things. We're, we're doing a lot of, a lot of that kind of thinking right now um, as well. So, uh, and obviously the lenders have, uh, they're a big part, the capital markets, the debt markets, a big part of getting deals done. And we've seen, seen the whole gamut. We've seen deals blow up. Freddie Mac and, and Fannie Mae have, have completely changed their, their terms, particularly on deal reserves. So, I mean, some of these lenders are requiring 18 months of reserves, 12 months of principal and interest reserves. So that, that, that creates a, a, an effect where, they want the GP to have a lot more skin in the game. It's not raising a bunch of money and everyone has, a, you know, the guy putting the deal together doesn't have any skin in the game there. Right. They're going away from that. It obviously kills your cash on cash return. If someone says you got to yeah. put up 18 months interest in principal, guess what? They're not going to do the deal because they're not going to be able to deliver yeah. the return for their investors. Now, if you're a very wealthy individual and you can meet the occupancy requirements over the year and you're going to get that money back, 
then it doesn't affect you as much. Um, and so unless you were very, very far along in the process, um, they, they implemented that. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's incredibly difficult to get deals done with agency debt right now. This is non-recourse, you know, high lever kind of, you know, the best debt on the market. And that is going to be this way, I think, for probably till the end of the summer or the fall. Uh, they've put out, they, they've got $100 billion each that they're trying to get out. They had about $30 billion out. And um, and that's going to be on hold for a while, I think. Again, unless you're unless you're a very wealthy individual who doesn't mind having their cash tied up for a while to meet these requirements. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one piece. The the other right. piece is is kind of these balance sheet, community, regional lenders, recourse debt, a strong sponsor. The deal size is not that big of a million, two million dollar deal. They'll plunk down twenty five percent. Right. They have a lot of deposits at, at these banks. We're still seeing those deals get done. We closed one two weeks ago. We have one next week closing. Hopefully another one three or four weeks. It's going to close. And that kind of scenario, very qualified borrowers with deposits, again, recourse debt. So that's right. a little bit different. So that in those guys, I mean, these are deals that were under contract kind of pre-COVID. Um, so those thankfully are still kind of coming through the queue. Uh, you know, the CMBS market for what we do in the multifamily world is completely dried up, right? There's right. no market there for that at all. Life company money is still out there. You, you know, there's still life companies that will lend. Uh, it's not, you're not going to get the leverage. It's going to be 60, 65% LTV. Uh, and again, a lot of the local and regional banks are kind of looking internally with, you know, they're having a lot of conversations with their existing borrowers right now too, right? And right. just kind of make sure, hey, is your tenants paying? Can you pay us? They're not as focused on putting new money out as they are kind of looking at what they have. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so we've seen deals blow up. We've seen a lot of them get extended. We've seen some of them close at the same terms, so the, right. the, whole, the whole gamut. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So, going, you know, going through that, you've seen at least short term and obviously long term is a different story, you know, major impact on market prices. You know, I'm, I'm guessing short term, you know, they, they haven't they haven't occurred obviously there's good there's uh consumer confidence there's a lot of uh un uneasy transactions because you know things are starting to kind of uh fall apart but again on the other side you know everybody kind of wants to continue uh to believe that everything's kind of business business as usual and obviously there's going to be a lot of long-term impacts related to all of this but have you seen you know shorter term stuff where people walking away from contracts or are people still listing properties or people still selling properties or people still leasing properties, um, you know, currently and trying to just adjust with, you know, whatever current resources are in place. Uh, boy, I mean, it's kind of tricky. If you've got a fully occupied apartment asset, you can't even tour it right now. And it's, it's hard to, to sell a deal if you can't get folks in you can't get third parties through. So unless you really have to sell, I mean, most people, we had, I don't know, Brooks, what, four or five listings that were teed up to go to the market when this all hit. And uh, yeah, second week in April, we were going to put out a, a lot of things, but right. everyone said, let's kind of keep it in your back pocket. If there's someone very qualified, you know, definitely provide them the information. Sure. But tenants, you know, we went and toured a building just to get the marketing pi uh, pictures and the ins and outs of the property the day before the shutdown. And um, then, you know, all tenants were notified. People were standing at the door. You can't come in. So, we, we knew we were going to be working with like kind of an uphill battle here when anytime we had to get prior people through the buildings. Um, and that's why we're relying more on technology to kind of help people see the assets, 
throughout this period of time until people feel comfortable letting us in and actually showing them. Yeah, and we're we're in contract as a buyer um, on a seventy six unit apartment building, and a discussion with the seller. We're we're both reasonable on either side. You know, there's some seller financing that's involved. Um, you know, so we told her, hey, you know, we need the deal to work, and for the deal to work, we need to pay you. And if there's no income coming in, what you know, what's the point of doing the deal, right? Um, so I think both, and I'd be curious to hear what you guys have. I mean, is it true that are you guys seeing both buyers and sellers are being reasonable to the situation? I know sellers are probably scared because they don't want to lose money. Um, but I guess in the grand scheme of things, are they making concessions? Are they doing what they need to do to get the deal across the finish line? Um, mostly, yes. I mean, we've been on, on especially early on, numerous calls with, with attorneys who are, are seeing these things, probably even more so than we are, just nonstop kind of you know, mitigation. And they were we only represent sellers and, and, and the attorneys that for the most part, the general theme is they've been a lot kind of tougher on their clients, i.e. the sellers than they normally would like, Hey, right. Extend this deal. Don't ask the guy for more hard money. Don't play a hard ball. You're lucky that you're still in the game. <laughs> right. <laughs> Almost dressing down their own clients in some ways, basically because they kind of understood that that what was happening in the marketplace and you're not really in a in a position to, to bargain. And I guess what's the flip side? You're going to sell into a market that's saying you're going to cut this person off or try to take their deposit and then sell into a market that that there's so much uncertainty. Your property may sell for less than the, the deposit amount that you retain. Right. So um a lot of it's going to depend on, I think, collections, right? It's collections, collections, collections. A lot of these lenders that we've talked to are saying, hey, you know, the 12 is fine, right? The trailing 12 months of income expense, but we're going to be looking at April collections, May collections. We don't yeah. care what happened. This is a new world, a new norm. And what happened 10 months ago doesn't really matter to us. Right. So, I mean, from that perspective, we've actually gotten some pretty good news from, from if, you've, if, you're, uh, if you have a class A or B property in a solid neighborhood, mostly, I mean, we're talking 98, 97, 95% of these units have had rent collected. And we've talked to hundreds, probably thousands of unit owners in, in these kind of neighborhoods. So from that perspective, it's been very good news. Now, that's only the first month, right? We'll, we'll, we'll have to see what happens as this thing unfolds. And and I personally don't, you know, don't think you can just flip a switch and turn things back on. People are going to be hesitant. If they feel economic pressure, they're not going to spend like they used to. Right. And there's going to be a whole, whole, whole new normal, I think. So that remains to be seen, but it's a collections game. Um, and for some of these, those properties and more of the C neighborhoods where kind of the tenants were already kind of on the verge, that, that is a little bit of a different story. I mean, we've heard 65, 70, 75% of the rents have been, you know, of the collectible rent has been collected, um, you know, at those kind of places. So I think there might be a, a little bit of a fleet of quality when the market opens back up, right? In lenders, right. want quality assets where people are paying, investors are probably going to look to that stuff unless it's deeply discounted. Um, you know, we've got a project-based Section 8 deal that's um, that was set to come out. And one of the deals we held back which you know, to some people might not be as attractive. And now all of a sudden, a lot of people are calling us because 97% of the monthly rent comes directly from HUD <laughs> a month. Now all of a sudden people want, wow, okay, we know the rent's gonna be there. The same we have, um, we have one in a pretty rough section of Baltimore on Edding Street that's in 95, 6% voucher tenants. And that one has gotten a lot more attention lately, right? Because it's more of the guarantee. Mm rent piece. So um, it's going to be a collections game. And, and again, from our perspective, the news was better than we thought it was going to be right. for the quality stuff. So what, I, 
Let's go ahead, Jay. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's interesting to hear because that's very similar to the one-off single-family and townhouse and condo rental rentals that a lot of our clients have that a lot of Ian personally has as well. It seems that you know, obviously, April first was the bit the, the first big day that was our mortgage or mortgages getting paid or you know rent collection and tenants paying. May first is going to be a different animal. June first could be a different animal. We're all in the same space, but from yeah. what you're describing, is extremely similar to. Yeah. exactly what we've seen um we've seen as well and also goes back to when you when you bring back in capital markets they seem to have an appetite to be lending on the good assets to the right borrowers with the right uh you know the, the right things in place now you know the high leverage deals those those are gone the <laughs> you know the maybe someone who's a little bit less savvy who doesn't have many resources yeah. those are harder to get uh involved in but it seems to me that real estate in general, you still have uh, you know a strong deal with a good operator. They're still going to work themselves out. Now, I think everybody's still trying to chase you know these sweetheart deals that haven't existed yet because there's not enough pain in the marketplace, right? There's not enough pain. I mean, the the landlords haven't had enough chance to realize you know what what their numbers are. Um, homeowners, if you're doing one-off properties, you know, they, for the most part, even if they don't pay their mortgage, they're not getting foreclosed on in the near future. So there just hasn't been enough pain in, pain in the marketplace. But that being said, uh, at least on maybe not some of the projects that you guys do at your size, but at least the, the, the smaller, you know, one to one to four family stuff, smaller single purpose commercial property stuff that like we do lending on on a regular basis. I have seen, you know, let's just say better opportunities than I had seen plus 30, you know, 30 days ago, sure. you know, through the last eight years. You know, we've got a lot of calls from appraisers kind of trying to understand how to price, you know, what's the risk premium? How do we price things in this new world? Because really, I mean, there hasn't been, pricing hasn't gotten readjusted yet in terms from a comp perspective, right? So it's like, how do you kind of figure out what the true value of these assets are worth? I mean, again, a lot of it is, are they collecting rent? Um, but if some of these deals that were already under contract or pre-COVID prices are still closing, right? And those are the those are the comps that are closing, right? Well, then how do you go and tell you know the the person who's trying to refinance or as a deal under agreement, right? Well, we're going to put a ten percent risk premium on this and lower your price ten percent when those deals are just so that that part in 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 what's the first shoe to drop? If you're really qualified, you're a long-term owner, you're not going to probably sell into this right now, right? right. So. Is it the weak hand start to sell and then, and then you get a couple lower comparables and the cap rate goes up or the price per unit goes down and then that kind of starts starts things. There's, you know, folks don't want to hear, hey, my property was worth $10 million a month ago and now it's worth eight and a half million. Right there, no, well, they're not right. <laughs> so there's a little, there, there's going to be a gap, right? You got it, and it happened during the last recession too, right? You, you got to get mentally, these folks got to have to mentally understand, hey, this is probably what your property's worth now, uh, and there's there's going to be a period of disconnect, uh, most likely. But we'll say, I think multifamily is very, very defensive long term, and if you're in the office space. I mean, you can just imagine, right? Everyone's figuring out Goldman Sachs, 98% of their employees are working from home, right? <laughs> and the productivity hasn't gone down. Yeah. So I think those parts retail are going to really, really uh, suffer a lot more than multifamily. You got to live in a house or you got to live in an apartment. In some ways, right. with economic uncertainty, if people don't feel as secure with their money, they tend not to buy as many houses to live as a primary residence, which is going to force people to continue to rent. So, um, but they've got to pay their rent. So that's the biggest, right. 
right now in the multifamily world, but it's very well positioned. It's very defensive long term. Uh, and in this, in fact, could cause more people to rent just like just like the last recession did. You know, and so we uh, we did interview Jim Chivers the other day and we had that discussion, the retail office debate. Um, you know, obviously Jim's super niche in the industrial world. So we, we did have a really good discussion with him about that. And it's funny that you bring that up. Um, but what I wanted to ask you guys, and it's something that you keep saying, okay, well, maybe there's a chance where pricing might come down. We don't know, right? Like everything in the multifamily world is based on cap rates or price per door or NOI. So I guess the question is, as a value-add investor, like we are, um, that want to go out and grind it out, what do you say to guys like that? What's your expectation, I guess, for the market, the future hold? Um, you know, there's, okay, there's sure there's the crappy, crappy deals out there that we can obviously go value at. But what about the marginal ones, you know, where it's rent increases and, and working out operational costs and, you know, doing minor improvements and getting a decent increase? Are those deals still going to exist? And where, where's the market? Yeah, I mean, the number one, you're going to get the right, if you have a long-term philosophy, yes, you're going to get the right kind of debt. And, Dead inherently is long term, right? So I don't know if are you gonna. It, the the good news is we're in a very low interest rate environment, right? If you can deal with the reserve requirements and you and you're looking for non recourse debt, then yes, if you look hard enough and you have a long term philosophy and you get the right loan, the, those things can happen. I think rent growth. I mean, we're in the spring rental season right now, so um, you're this is when rents are typically go up, right? The next three, four, five months. Right. I mean, People are going to be lucky just to kind of rent their apartments for what they had had, had them leased for you know a year ago now. So I mean, you're not going to see. You got to think of it long term. If you're in it, if you're in it for the long haul, then then the answer is yes. Just like anything, if you work hard, you work smart, you do the right things, you will find opportunities. Uh, it just takes it. And there's going to be with it with chaos in the market. There's opportunity, and there there certainly will be. Um, and we've gotten a lot of calls already. Where are the deals? Where are the deals? <laughs> kind of, yeah. You're going to have to wait. That's not going to happen overnight. Will they be out there? I'm sure, certainly. People are going to, you can't exit real estate like you can a, a stock or security, right? So it's a longer term thing. It'll have to flow through. But folks that need money or feel financial pressure that own multifamily assets, there's certainly a group of them that will say, okay, well, we're going to have to, we got, we got to get a hold of our cash. We're going to sell. And I think those right. are the kind of things that start, if pricing is going to get reset, you start to say, okay, well, I, I need my, my property sold in 60 days. Go find a cash buyer who can execute quickly. And then you start to see a few of those kind of trades happen. Then it might reset things a little bit. Uh, and if you can't get the right kind of debt or you got to put up much more money, it's going to affect inherently um, especially the larger multifamily assets right now. Again, the million-dollar deal where somebody puts down twenty-five thousand and is a very wealthy individual or doctor or lawyer putting it down for a second investment. It goes to you know Revere Bank or President. Like those things are. I think those are still gonna. Those those right. things are still gonna churn. It's the larger ones with agency debt for the near term. Three six months are gonna be much more effective, in my opinion. Um, Would so, so would you would you guys tell Brooks maybe I don't know would you guys if someone's going and buying an apartment building maybe I'm asking for myself um, would you guys go in and continue with up you know updates you know if there's still a large delta or you know did is it a good for people to pause the dates for the rental market goes and 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 give it a, a deep breath. I mean, there's still going to be those opportunities to, to raise rents. Um, I think kind of as we alluded to, as you see these May collections trickle in and get an understanding of where the, the asking rents have gone. You know, I think that the 
the value upside in the short term is going to be a little bit smaller than what it was if we were on track for everything we were this year besides the quarantine. Um, but there's definitely going to be a ton of value to, to squeeze out of these properties. It may take a little bit longer to do as you fight through the uncertainty period. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and also, a lot of uh, owners are holding back on their capital projects right now. Right. right. Keep it full. Keep the rent coming in. Don't worry about doing a kitchen and bath and getting 10% more rent. Just if you can hold, hold, you got to get to the other side of the river. Right. And that's exactly. That's so, yeah. And like you were talking about opportunities, it seems like some of the C-class properties that aren't able to collect as much rent as they're used to. And as those continue to unfortunately potentially be in more default, those could be the, you know, the, the sooner opportunities to, to snag up. Um, you know, especially if you can snag it, you know, snagging an unperforming one right now with cheaper debt and time's going to tell, will tell, I guess, to see where the capital markets go and if interest rates rise. And when interest rates rise, you know, we're in a different, <laughs> completely different ballpark. And, sure. you know, um, I think we're all well aware that, you know, it's for most people's best interest that interest rates stay where they're, stay where they're at, at least until we kind of get through, uh, you know, this, <laughs> you know, the coronavirus and everything else. Mm -hmm. But again, that's not going to be, not going to last forever. And, you know, we, it's a, it's the same thing on, uh, you know, these one-off real estate investors as, as well. I mean, we've had properties that, um, you know, we've been able to, to unload and sell during these times to first time home buyers and their thought process is the rates are low. I might as well take advantage of it. Um, you know, even if the market softens, if the market softens and rates go up, my purchasing power is not going to be much better. If any better, it might just make more sense to buy it now and lock in with cheap debt. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, well, and I so, think that's a big thing uh, in the multifamily world that a lot of people overlook. Um, is that you know there you got a lot of big players that come in here and looked at looked at this as um it's a money game to them right versus you know a lot of single family investors like I want that house and I own this house right to them it's a cog um so and that's where a lot of that interest rate and leverage and everything else becomes a real tricky path for some of these bigger guys right you know, so, the institutional size a lot of those folks so they've raised money they have funds that are raised right they have yep. requirements to their investors so <laughs> they're gonna go find they're gonna to have to go out and go buy some stuff eventually right because they they are exactly. those, those those investors for the funds that have been raised so um yeah. and, you know for, I've read a couple interesting things on Baltimore in particular and how it's you know for for as much as it gets beaten up in the, in the national press and all the bad news it's actually somewhat well positioned in the current world because it's its economy doesn't revolve a lot around tourism entertainment retail uh, you know, a lot of places like Las Vegas and South Florida, those the, those are kind of going to be, I think, a hit a lot more than we are. We rely a lot on healthcare, right? hospitals, education, and government jobs are close to these. So, from a from, from a defensive standpoint, at least Baltimore's you know economy and and and, and jobs don't rely as much on the impacted industries. Um, which was, you know, we don't see a lot of glowing reports on Baltimore, but uh, <laughs> number two on this list of most defensive met metropolitan areas. For, for what yeah, they, but there's still a, there's still a lot of affordable housing across all income streams on that. And like you said, um, you know, I know a lot of people think D.C. is so insulated and, you know, I've always been very active in the D.C. area and, and know it as well. And, you know, it is in some respects, but keep in mind, you know, D.C., you know, as high as that got, it fell a lot very, very quickly in 07, 08. And yes, it rebounded back. 
So it does help though, in general, that we're in the mid-Atlantic region and a lot of these areas are a little bit better, uh, better off. But in general, most of these surrounding counties, even right now, if you say the market was, you know, until 30 days ago towards the top in general, I, I still believe that at least in the median housing price neighborhoods, there's still a lot of very affordable housing. It wasn't completely unrealistic. Even even right outside, not just in the Baltimore area, but even outside the DC area, um, you know what you can get for your money was still was still reasonable based on what you know the average income was for that particular area, which sure. which is good. I mean, I think that's right. I think that's a good way to to test it. And also looking at it, there's only so low some of these areas could potentially, but you know potentially go. Obviously, you know the buy versus rent factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I think as a whole you know, interest rates eventually will go up a little bit. Uh, the market's going to soften. Things are going to kind of go down. Who knows what, you know, commer- commercial apartment buildings, residential, what direction each are going to go at any given time. But I think as a whole, like you said, uh, not not that there's a full on backstop, but there's only so far that some of these areas can go. Right. And you know, Baltimore, the Baltimore area in general was, I mean, we've got so many calls from New York, New Jersey, you know, DC, yep. where you know we don't want to buy a deal at a four and a half five cap. We're basically banking on appreciation, <laughs> right? And so, you know, the the fun, the numbers made sense all along, right? People were able to generate a decent, a decent return, um, and and a, a much higher return than they were in some of these more overheated markets. And multifamily, as we all know, was I mean, kind of everyone's, you know, the apple of everyone's eye for for a long, long time. And so, I think things like that, maybe last mile distribution. Right. Amazon is just going to take over the world now, I think. Right. Data centers. There are certain things that aren't going to get get hit as much. Um, yep. You know, if I was an industrial guy, I mean, yeah, those look kind of last mile you know, warehouse kind of things. I mean, that's what the world's going to be trending to. Yep. Right? Yep. Is, is, is everything of that ilk? So you know. we uh, yeah, no, we uh, we totally agree. And that's why we were having a discussion with Jim just to kind of get his feeling on it. You know, it's it's interesting to hear because his industry relates back to your industry. Right. Without the industrial and the jobs, you know, there is no reason for multifamily and apartments. Right. Or right. vice versa, depending how you want to look at it. So um, it's so defensive because if there are no jobs, can't right. make rent. <laughs> if exactly. you can't make rent, then the value of the property goes down. It just trickles down through everything. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. How do um. You guys got anything else? And how can people find you? Uh, our website, harborstoneadvisors.com is, is the best place to, to find us. And, and uh, you know, all of our listings are, are, are there and uh, all contact information is there as well. So that, that's the best place to find us. My email is jverner at harborstoneadvisors.com and uh, Brooks. Mine's uh, bhealy at harborstoneadvisors.com. So as Justin alluded to, all of our listings are, are on there, so anyone can can access them and see what we have on the market. If there's anything speci- if there's anything specific to any investment criteria, a certain neighborhood, a certain asset, uh, certain asset size, um, you know, feel free to just reach out to us directly, and, and we can kind of help steer you in the right direction or keep you posted when when those deals come online. Yeah, and if nothing else, definitely uh, sign up for their list. They literally crank deals out all the time, and it's fun to watch and underwrite them you know it's a great now's a great time to practice and underwrite and 
see what's coming out. Anyone and, and, and you'll guide you through the, the multifamily marketplace here in Maryland. And there's um, we have a, a lot of listings in the queue. So when things kind of turn around, there's going to be a lot of opportunity out there. And that, that might create opportunity. There's there's going to be a lot of listings that have kind of been bottled up to get released. Right. So that inherently might create more opportunity for buyers and there's uncertainty. So if you can if you have the ability to get a, a deal done when the, when the lights come back on, there's there's going to be opportunities uh, for sure, particularly if you have a long term perspective. Uh, yeah. And, and I think there's a lot of people waiting right now, um, saving cash, uh, figuring out, putting resources together. So when that happens, I don't believe that it's going to happen overnight, like a lot of people think. But no. that being said, it will it will happen. And you know, still, I still believe that if there's a good opportunity out there right now, take advantage of it. And yes, maybe, maybe in the short term, uh, you know, it wasn't it, it, hindsight. It wasn't the best, but in the long term, typically every investment ends up being great if you have the right um, capital stack and you have uh, kind of the, the right potential going into it. Cool guys. Well, we certainly we we certainly appreciate it. If uh, anyone uh, wants to reach out to these guys, I've uh, there's their website and yeah, maybe we'll uh, circle back with you guys in a few weeks as obviously things are changing <laughs> day by day by day, but yeah. you know, yeah. as, as things change, maybe we'll, we'll reach out to you guys again soon. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, cool, guys. Fun, guys. Thanks again. Thanks. See ya. Cool. Yeah. So, all, uh, that good, was uh, all good insight. Uh, you know what we should have asked and I was thinking about it, but I know we have a ton of stuff to cover and maybe we can get them back on here shortly is, our apartment operators utilizing the PP because a lot of them do have employees on staff onto their, um, onto their books. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think mean, that's a larger play. So, yeah, true. All right. So let's, uh, let's, let's talk about the PPP, the paycheck protection program real quick, because some sure. interesting stuff you want to go I first. Or approval. Me to go first? I got an approval. That's all I got to say. Money's not approved, but, but yeah, God. everyone's got approved and money's not in the bank. That's yeah. that's the issue, and who knows when it's going to be in the bank. I, so, but I did sign loan docs yesterday. Oh, did you? I did sign loan docs. But well, go ahead. Um, okay. So, seems that everyone I've talked to recently has got an approval, which is good. Um, some have already put in all their stipulations. Some were pending stipulations. Um, but everyone's has got that formal approval from the bank. Now, the problem is, is the bank's still uncertain of when the money's going to come. We talked to our bank today and they're not hundred percent sure they're thinking it's next week. Um, funding will be in place from every single person. And, and from the understanding to begin with is the money, sh they shouldn't be waiting on the money. The money should be fronted from them to begin with and then reimbursed to them within 90 days from, um, you know, the, the, S the SBA, like that, that was the setup, but I'm guessing that they're waiting for some sort of final approval to make sure they did it correctly before they're dispersing funds. Because where a lot of these issues came from the beginning was these banks were terrified because the SBA is um, go, 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 go. We need to get these funds in, into everyone's hands. These are the applications. They'd fill out applications and then they'd ask for other requirements and other requirements, other requirements. And the banks felt that they were on the hook for them. So they were nervous to disperse money to the customer uh, knowing that there's no real, you follow their guidelines, but there's no real underwriting criteria, obviously. Right. You know, there's no guarantees, there's no credit, you know, pull up pulls. I mean, it's just for the most part, unsecured money. Most of it's forgivable free money. So they were nervous that if they made the wrong decisions, they wouldn't get reimbursed in 90 days. So that's where all these issues kind of came around. Um, and I think they're getting obviously pressure um, from everybody at this point. It's just like, get money, get money moving. I got it. I'm not gonna lie. I literally just got an email. Um, 
from our bank. So yesterday we signed loan docs and I get what you're saying because it was the same conversation at our bank that, you know, it was like, Hey, you know, we don't know what's going on. You know, uh, this, that, and the other thing, the SBA is giving us crap. They're changing everything day in, day out. We literally got loan docs yesterday, signed off on them. And they went back to her to, uh, to our bank today. I just got an email back that says, what deposit account, where do you want them deposited? So I don't know if we're on the move to actually see funding this week. We were told five business days when I filled out or she said from receipt, five business days to funding. So I'm not sure what the process is from here, um, but it's all good news as we're moving forward in my yeah. professional opinion. No, you're right. And, and Chris, related to this, you're right. So uh, this morning they stated that they're that they're out of funding. Uh, you know that that all the money is already used up. So there's so there's no funding left. Now that being said, we believe that that means if you've already been approved, you're going to get the funding. I think that just means that they're not taking any more applications and they're not approving anybody else. But whoever is approved already will continue to get the funding. That's what we think is going to happen. Hopefully that's happening. And then my guess is they're going to come up with another stimulus package in the very near future and to cover the rest. Right. And not, uh, that that's most likely true. And not to get away from the PPP while I'm scanning my email, this is the worst thing for me to do is not concentrate on one thing. We did also get an email today for those of you that are here in Maryland um, and wanted to apply for the $50,000 loan and or the $10,000 grant. I just received, and I did that on day one, um, the very first day all this stuff happened and things were being offered up. I just got an email now. So that's three weeks going on. Um, so but that's the idea, all, the I yeah. or the EIDL. This is, this is from the state. It's not EIDL. EIDL is through the SBA from the federal yeah. government, that's which right. there was a ten thousand dollar federal grant. Depending where you read, it sounds like they were going to give you a thousand dollars per employee um, as a grant, and then if you got approved for the EIDL, you could ultimately um, that was the impact disaster loan. Um, and if you got additional funding there, you could roll it into your PPP if you got it approved. I haven't heard of anybody getting approved for the EIDL from what I can tell. Um, the things that I were talking about above and beyond are that there was a $50,000 loan that you could apply for from the state. And it was literally just to keep your lights on. It wasn't about employees. It wasn't about anything other than economic relief. Um, and there was a $10,000 grant from the state of Maryland uh, that's completely forgivable. Obviously, it's called a grant. Um, so no repayment. Um, and both things were just processed now. So I, I, and by the way, Jay, I did send them to your business partner, Chris, uh, the other week when he was helping me out with the SBA stuff. So I don't know where anything's going. Um, and yeah, Wait, who'd you send? I sent, I sent all the state stuff to Chris. Uh, oh, got it, got it, got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, oh, there you go. Chris uh, applied. Is that Chris, is that the $10,000, um, state grant or is that the $10,000 federal grant? EIDL. EIDL. No, I'm at, no asking. That's yeah. Is which that which one you about? did you get approved for? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things going on the PPP. I think Jay's looking up the article, but I know like CNBC just released it saying that basically they're out of money um, and nobody knows where this is going to go. Um, I did hear some good news. Uh, I was going to save it for tomorrow. I can go through that email tomorrow, but um, it sounds like the courts in Baltimore um, and the regional areas are gearing up to reopen. On June 8th, judging by the email that we got today from our eviction service. Um, so that's positive news for those that are, um, there you go. Chris got it from the state. So that was the one that we applied for. And I 
I put our application. My, my app, you, yeah. you haven't hold, you haven't heard back on that one. Uh, well, I just got one that says it's being reviewed. Um, so I guess we probably filed around the same time. Uh, but state, I don't think I, I don't think we filed that. No, nah, I talked to Chris about it, but either way, I'll send him the info. Uh, yeah, send Chris and. Um, that'd be good. I'm sorry. So I was telling everybody that eviction courts are, or the courts are supposed to be opening back June 8th from what it sounds like. So that's positive news. Um, and I would assume if the courts are opening up, that means other businesses are potentially opening up as well. So, sorry, I don't want to get too far off the PPP if you had anything else. No, I think that was it. I mean, I, you know, it's positive and negative news. Positive is if you got approved, hopefully the money's in place. If you didn't get approved, you know, I would jump on it the next time the next stimulus package hits. So who knows? Like, I'm curious if someone's uh, independent contractor or a sole member LLC without payroll, I'd like to hear from them if they've got any, if any approvals have, have hit from them, you know, from one of, from some of them. I mean, we've, we're on payroll. So we, we were able yeah. to, you know, we, we got a week's uh, heads up or a week uh, notice ahead of time before. So I, I, I did notice in the else. loan packet. I'm sorry, you were a little. Yeah, ahead, I, did, I did notice in the loan package. I don't know if I brought this up. Um, is that it said if you've laid anybody off, you have till approximately June something. I can look. I can tomorrow. Um, it was that sometime in June you needed, or it was May, maybe it was June that you needed to have all your employees back online for the people that you filed for. So they could be laid off now, um, and they're giving you a grace period to get people back online. So. That's also a nice thing, too, for those that did have to make layoffs, um, depending on what your business is in. Um, Jay, I agree 100%. I'd love to hear from the 1099 sole proprietor, uh, sole entity uh, business guys. Have they gotten any approvals? Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. If, it, if anyone falls in, that, um, falls in that category, please comment, and we'll uh, – I'm curious to see. Maybe even we'll send you a link to hop onto the show with us. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Um, all right, so let's just give everybody a quick sneak preview about this deal that we're going to case study tomorrow uh, well, on our show, and then and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, we were going to try to get someone to come in and do a case study on Airbnb, but he's tied up with his full time job because he was in the medical field. So tomorrow, um, I'm going to pull a property that Jason did for us. He was the lender on his company, Hard Money Bankers, and we'll walk everybody through what we bought. Um, how we fixed it up, how we refinanced it, how we got Jason's uh, or hard money bank, ugh, hard money bankers paid back, and Jason will walk through on his side of why the deal was good, um, and it was a good loan for him, and you know how his company handled the whole situ- you know the whole process, and I think it'll be good, you know, uh, and we can actually re-underwrite that deal at today's value and kind of see what the difference is, you know, I don't know, we'll see where the conversation are we, goes. Are we doing a screen share? Or should we just? No, let's screen. I mean, it needs to be tactile. You know, I, I'll put together a PowerPoint and I'll at least give you everybody a location. I'm, I'm an open book. You ever want to, you know, give us a call, I'll tell you exactly where we own stuff. So I'm not shy about anything. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll show you. I got to dig up pictures. Hopefully I got good pictures. If worst case scenario, uh, street view and the budget that we worked off of to get that property renovated and ultimately refinance with the bank. Um, sure. And go from there. So. Um, I. Well, if then, anyone, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I know we're live on iTunes for any of those that are. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, there's Blake. Um, 1099 here hasn't heard anything yet. And I know Blake, Blake grinds it out. Um, Blake, have you, Blake, have you been, a, have you 
so you did the application process and did you get notified that your application was submitted? Yeah, we need to get Blake on here. Hopefully we can get him on here. Um, but yeah, so we're live on iTunes now. Yeah, I know it's hard to consume the content here on Facebook and sit here the whole time. Um, for those of you that are still out driving around, going for workouts, hanging around the house and you want a, a good listen, Real Estate Reserve podcast on iTunes. You can't miss it because Jason's email uh, is in the subtitle for some reason. We haven't figured that out yet. Um, but we're live. Real Estate Reserve podcast.com is also live. You can find all the um, all the uh, all the feed stuff on that. Um, and you can listen directly there, too. Uh, looks like AJ White was able to get a thousand dollar grant from the SBA for his single member LLC. A, so that's, a, that's a, awesome. AJ, do you have that money in hand though? Or are you just got approved for a thousand dollars? That's what we're trying to figure out. Uh, comment back and let us know if you've actually been a, uh, cause, cause there's approvals. I'm just curious if you actually have the funds. Blake yeah, said no response at all. Blake said I applied for both. Yep. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, we got to dedicate time. Maybe we can get a, uh, a few guys on here that are sole sole members and just see how the process has gone. Blake, I'm calling you out. Get your butt on here. Um, and I just want to say thank you again to Justin and Brooks and all the guests that we've had on over the past few weeks because it's an ever changing landscape. Um, you know, we don't we don't necessarily hold the answers, um, but we will talk to people that have their viewpoints. And out of everybody's viewpoints, you should be able to make a good determination of the market. I mean. We, you know, I got my business partner on here yesterday. That was epic, you know, personal finance. But we've had Steve Cavanaugh, Alex Pardo, R.J. Breeden, um, Mike Schock, Terry, uh, Jimmy Harris, like every aspect of real estate. Um, and it's just been interesting to see Dan's, Dan's sister, Caitlin, up in Philly, um, uh, your Philly office, just to hear how other regions are handling the current economic client, uh, climate and where things are going. And we keep planning on doing these every day until the shutdown is done and then we'll probably continue to do these because it's a great therapy session for me because i haven't shut up i just keep talking i kind of want to put our uh, our theme music video at the end <laughs> yeah, well, we, end we, <laughs> we need it we need to close it do we can we get a closer video yeah we're gonna get a closer video too yeah maybe we'll get blake to, uh we'll, we'll get blake to do the voiceover <laughs> all so, right i'm, I'm, uh, I'm gonna put this closing video and then uh we'll call it a day all right guys all right what time are we doing tomorrow by the way uh we could do 1 30 again tomorrow and uh it'll be a solid hour on case study and any new news that comes out between now and then i'll get some of these other documents together and uh go through cool. everything on a deeper level all right man welcome to the real estate reserve podcast with your